to another episode of Radio Contra, the podcast of AmericanPartisan.org and hosted by me, the Commandante of the Mossy Oak Militia. All of you out there, this wonderful family, the Contras that are out there doing it day to day to day, resisting the coming tyranny that we see before us. I'm joined today by my very Good friend, fellow trainer, Mr. Badlands Fieldcraft. I'm the great state of Montana. What's up, brother? <laughs> Not too much. How are you doing? Dude, I'm good, man. I, I'm uh, trying to make sense of the world. You know, the, the big thing that's coming out uh, right now, looking over some of the headlines on American Partisan and this story with Rob O'Neill is just it's over the top man and uh for all the listeners out there in case you're not aware of this uh twitter controversy that uh mr o'neill has got himself into of course talking about rob o'neill uh the seal team six dev grew guy that uh supposedly right supposedly shot bin laden at least that's the official narrative, you know, whatever. Um, cool story, bro. Next. But uh, anyway, he decided to weigh in on the current goings on. And uh, obviously with uh, Biden's call for, for an all out assault on the Second Amendment, your rights to be armed. And of course, I, you know, I have my thoughts on that. I talked about with Dolio last night on the live show. We had kind of a colorful conversation, Medic and I, about that. <laughs> but um, Rob O'Neill here on Twitter saying, uh, quote unquote, shall not be infringed, should have limits. Politicians getting paid by the NRA to uh, need to realize this too. What does the NRA do again? Nothing. And uh, he is appropriately getting flamed online for this. Um, and, you know, I can't think of a, a better two guys in the room than you and I to break this down, kind of have some reactions to it. And, uh, you know, th there's there's something else I want to talk about, too, that's kind of related to this that Rob O'Neill inserted himself into with Tim Kennedy not that long ago, uh, just a few <laughs> days ago. And and you're, you're chuckling because you already know what it is. I've heard a little uh, bit about it. I don't, I don't follow too yeah. closely the exploits. Oh but. yeah. Oh yeah. And I think, man, I, I think that it needs to be discussed because, you know, as, as a couple of trainers, especially guys that are kind of, um, more on the direct action end of training, kind of getting away from the square range, but more in, in the actual tactics and field craft end of stuff. 
Um, you know, I've got a lot to say about it. I know you do too. So right off the top of the uh, of of the list here, um, your reaction to that tweet, man. So yeah, I just read it a few minutes ago for the first time, and you know, the fact that later on he brings up his silver stars and bronze stars. I mean, we literally just had Memorial Day what four days ago, four or five days ago. Yeah. And it's like, now you want to, it's kind of disgraceful to me. You know, all the guys that have lost their lives fighting for this country, we literally just had a holiday for it. Now he's wanting to basically shit on the constitution and, and justify it. Cause he's got some silver stars and bronze stars, you know, it's just kind of, it's kind of sad. <laughs> it makes him look pretty bad. I think. Well, you know, something that, that I've been quoted as saying many times over now as it comes to this this crowd is what we called in the Army talking off your shirt. Mm. You know, it, it's it's one of those deals. If you had to tell people that right. you were, you know, you, you had authority, then you don't have any authority, man. And I mean, seriously, if you have to tell people over and over again that you are a whatever or whoever, man, like, well, and and I I don't know what the, you know, I don't know what the uh, citations state for his silver and bronze stars, but I mean, this is no offense to any Navy folks that might be listening, but they give ribbons out like candy. (laughs) And, you know, there was some major controversy back when I was in the Marines, and that would have been about 2005 or 2006. Uh, The Marine Times sat down and looked at the disparity in valor awards given to basically senior staff NCOs and officers compared to NCOs and just enlisted guys in general. And it was it was huge, you know, and these guys can write their own citations course they're going to end up with a bunch of medals now i don't know if that's what rob did but you know it's just interesting to me that you know he's got two silver stars and four bronze stars you know it's seems a little odd i mean i don't know i i'm i'm not going to question that one way or the other i mean you know you, you did what you did hey cool cool story man cool right a lot of guys have done a lot of stuff you know, that's right. It's yep. it's but that so so you've got awards for valor. That that's awesome. Like congratulations. Uh thank you. Good. That doesn't grant you that does not grant you expertise on political opinions. Now you might think nope. that it does, <laughs> but you you having to use that as an additional qualifier for basically trampling on the constitution that you swore an oath to uphold. Right. There's a, there's a major disconnect there, man. That's, yep. that's not, um, this, this is not, one is not congruent to the other. They, they are, they're mutually exclusive here. You know, right. so man, you, you're, I'm going to be honest too. This dude's cool guy background. I mean, I got a cool guy background. You got a cool guy background. It doesn't, I, I'm not impressed, man. Like, uh, you know, all right. No. Like, that, that's cool, but I'm not impressed. Well, and the whole, like, shooting Bin Laden thing. It's like, what took you so long? You know, if you're that big and bad, what the fuck took so long? You know, oh, you had to find him first? You mean you had to have all these other people 
uh, doing a shit ton of work to tell you to go tell you what house to go hit. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so to sit there and wave the flag, like he's the lone warrior that climbed up the mountain and did it. It's complete BS. And he's pretty full of shit. Where's the rest of the team? Right. Exactly. (laughs) You know, where, where's the rest of the team? I mean, I know, I know there was a good chunk of them that were, uh, on extortion 17, but where, where is the rest of them? Um, this is the only guy that's that's getting paraded around out there. Yeah, it's kind of weird. It, it the whole thing's always been weird to me. Yeah, but. it's it, it's strange, man. It it's it's strange story. Um, you know him saying, uh, "Oh, I've been to the range too, and my fucking body armor has been Laden's blood on it." Call me vet, bro, pussy. Um, I don't. I don't even know. Like, I, I can't even make sense out of this. So, <laughs> like, in, in here, out, out in the shack, man, like, I'm looking over and, and you know, I've, I've got uh, my body armor from Afghanistan sitting on the rack over here to my left. And, I mean, you know, there's this God only knows what on that thing. Mm. But I'm not running around telling people that. I mean, I, I'm not – that's not something – to that's not something to be pounding your chest about man that that's not but it also doesn't really have anything to do with the conversation that is currently being forced down our throats right you know yep. it, it doesn't it doesn't have anything to do with that man and i'm gonna tell you what man this guy calling people pussies online i mean that's the epitome of vaginitis right there <laughs> as far as i'm concerned it, you don't you don't get in you don't get into fucking pissing matches with people you know on, on twitter that that's why i avoid social media like the plague because it's toxic right right that shit is toxic well and and that's, it, yeah. it just uh just like you said it's vaginitis you know and and to me uh a, a, a true a warrior somebody who is a, a warrior thinks themselves as a warrior isn't going to get in a little pissing contest no you know that's that's the opposite of being kind of the stoic you know warrior with good emotional control he's in here calling people pussies and <laughs> fighting on twitter it's like that's not yeah that's not what you should be doing you know i mean this is this is a, a sissy boy slap fight is, is right. what this is i mean you know, oh, you name call me. I'm going to name call you back. Yeah, all right, man. Well, who does he just, think he's impressing or who does he think he's sticking up for? I don't know. It, it's, you know, it's just that, you know, the, the thing is, though, and this is something that, that I caught a little bit of flack for. And then, you know, conversely, had a lot of, uh, of support for, too. When when I, I've been heavily critical of Black Rifle Coffee Company. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and had had a few rants about them because this is their same attitude, man. Right. This is the same attitude that that Matt Best has, that Evan Haffer has, right? And anybody, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go out extend that further. Anybody, I'm gonna tell you right now, anybody, anybody and everybody that accepts Black Rifle Coffee Company as an advertiser. Yeah, I'm talking about the YouTube people out there. If you wear some Black Rifle Coffee Company stuff in one of your YouTube videos, 
You know who you are. All right. You're you are implicitly supporting their points of view, and this is their point of view. They're telling you. All right. They're telling you this. It's this it's this mentality of we're cooler than you, we're better than you, right? High five me, bro. I'm gonna be insta famous. And and yep. I mean, seriously, man, it it's it's one of those things like there there's a certain segment of us out there who are making the commitment to training civilians based on our experience. And then there's guys who are capitalizing on their experience. It's a different thing, right? These right. then there's these guys who are they all they have to offer is talking about themselves, how great they are, mm-hmm. self-aggrandizing. And that's what these guys are doing. No, I, I fully agree. I mean, God forbid anything ever kicks off with a near peer in the future, because then we'll have some vets come out of that with some real, real experience that'll make these guys look yeah. like pussies. You know, oh, wow, you, you yeah. flew around in a Blackhawk and beat up on a bunch of goat herders in the middle of the night. That's, uh, you know, that ain't going to be shit compared to taking on a near peer. Yeah, well, I mean, that that's what they're learning now. I mean, there there are guys who have went over to Ukraine. And I mean, even the New York Times, the Washington Post, they're having to report on this. It's mm-hmm. so bad that even they have to report on this. <laughs> that there's guys that went over there. And I'm talking about, you know, not not guys with fly-by-night backgrounds, but dudes with... with you know, serious bona fides under the belt. They go over there to do their thing, right? And they're on their way back, the ones that made it out. They're on their yeah. way back, like, eh, this this is a bad idea. You know, this this is a bad idea. And the media is telling one story. Reality is quite a bit different. All right? Oh, yeah. Ear-on-peer yeah. conflict is not the place you want to find yourself. No, and it never has been. Like through history, it's always been that way, you know, any conflict through history when it's when it's evenly rated, it's it's going to be bloody and it's going to be brutal. It's going to take a long time and it's going to be a mess. Yeah, well, and and the thing is, is that all, all these all these practices that that we made bad habits of Mm. in Iraq, in Afghanistan and it was across the board. Right? It was across the board. Unconventional warfare, um, as it's understood, went out the window. And we rely so much on on high tech enablers for everything that you know we're we're not seeing the pitfalls behind all this. Right. And these guys are learning, man. The, the best example that I can think of of this was the quote unquote safe house for uh, foreign fighters coming across the border from Poland into Ukraine, that's that safe house, which was a, you know, a, a two and a half story building or whatever it was before it got leveled, right? <laughs> Hammering that thing into the dirt with katushas. Yeah. Yeah. How did that happen? Because these right. idiots are posted on Instagram where they are. Well, none of them are going over there because they're just such patriotic Ukrainians. But they got to go fight for their homeland. It's they're they're doing it for some form of self enrichment, either during or after when they get home. And I think right. they got in over their heads. Oh yeah, 
Now, they're learning it now. And I didn't even want to bring up Ukraine, but Ukraine <laughs> is folding up like a like a cheap napkin, man. It, it's um, it, they're in bad shape. And, and uh, you know, as I was talking about Joe Dolio, um, you know, it's, it's looking like Moldova is going to be next. And and that's going to yep. happen, I think, pretty quick. I think that's going to once once Ukraine is, is beginning to cede territory, which they're they're already doing that um, because we've got with basically you, you've got Kissinger that's saying you got to cede territory in Donbass. You're going to have to cede territory in Azovstal. And uh, there's one other one that that I'm neglecting to remember right off the top of my head. But, um, you know, when when you've got Henry Kissinger, who is kind of the architect of American foreign policy, at least since the, the Nixon administration, and he's making these kinds of statements, man, it, it's pretty telling. It's honestly, mm-hmm. it's, it's pretty telling. Yep, I think so. What? And it, oh, go ahead. No, I was just saying, I mean, it's it, it's what the Russians have been saying they've been wanting for a long time. And, you know, clearly they're going after it. They're not going to stop. So you might as well, I mean, it's not worth World War Three over, you know, the Eastern, was it, is it even a 25% of Ukraine? Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> so. Well, Russia's going to end up taking the whole thing, man. They, you think so? Yeah. They're going to oh, go yeah. for the whole thing? Yep. Yeah. Do you think that was their plan from the beginning, or do you think they just really wanted that Eastern? You know, it's hard to say. Um, honestly, it's hard to say. I think they they probably anticipated that a converging routes attack which is is what they executed would it would it would accomplish two goals it would have a minimal impact on the civilian populace uh which which is what they sought to do according to their own state media and really their their lack of using decisive air power their lack of of using artillery uh at least in the beginning that it seemed like they wanted to have minimal impact on the civilian populace while toppling the government and, and kind of in a, a, a reverse fashion than, than our strategy of shock and awe for rapid battlefield dominance. Um, but it didn't work out that way. And what they, they realized from there is that their, their losses in men and material were too heavy because of the, the, equipment that was being used but very pragmatically they realized that you know hey if we sit back and we let them burn out Mm -hmm. their ammo supply then we just wait until we can make a battlefield assessment that that they're low on javelins and stingers and and other battlefield enablers and that's when we pick the offensive back up and so far it looks like that's been the strategy now, if if we're trying to analyze that from a Western centric point of view, where all we've been fed for the you know the the past uh, two generations of warfare is rapid battlefield dominance through combined arms maneuver, because mm-hmm. that's been the American strategy of war is is you know uh, Desert Storm was a perfect example of that. 
the invasion of Afghanistan was kind of a good example of that, but it was heavy on on air power um, and precision munitions. And then the invasion of Iraq. But since then, you know, in, in the invasion of Iraq in 2003, since then, we haven't really we haven't really had to use that. We haven't utilized that. But that's that's the bar by which Westerners gauge military prowess. And and so we don't this idea of tactical uh, tactical patience and um, the methodical, the more methodical approach, uh, turn based tactic of of sitting back and, and letting an adversary kind of fight it out. That's not one that resonates with with us. Right. And uh, it does with the Russians, though. They, oh, they yeah. realize like we've got we've got time on our hands. We're just going to wait this one out. And I think in the long run, that's a strategy that's going to work for them. Oh, it's yeah, it fighting has. us in the rear. We don't have the manufacturing capability. I mean, this is not tinfoil hat. This is not alarmism. This is Raytheon saying we don't have the ability to replenish the stockpile of javelins that we've expended. Yeah. We don't have. It. All right. So w- were you just <laughs> going to magically make some, some javelins reappear out of the air? No, no. it's not going to happen. No, they're going to be shipping out a bunch of laws now. <laughs> and yeah. Well, I mean, they quit making the laws too. Yeah. That's the thing. They, they, they quit making the M 72. I mean, we had a few, in Afghanistan, we had a few in the arsenal, and I always loved them because you can carry a bunch of them. They're, right. they're fairly lightweight, and it's an effective weapon. I mean, it's it's uh, light. It's uh, the laws of anti-tank rocket. The light anti-tank weapon is is what it stands for. Got a, a, a high-explosive dual-purpose warhead on it. It's a marvelous little weapon. I think they made the uh, the SRAW, the SRAW, yeah. for a while there. I don't know if they're still doing that. I'm not sure. I I was always I a SRAW guy, them, so. But we, but we didn't. Uh, we had them. We really didn't get a lot of trigger time with those. Um, the small D was the real popular one. Right. But you can yep. only carry one at a time. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's a that's a small D is a big rocket. And, yeah, it was it um, 82, 82 millimeter? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, that's a big boy. You're only carrying one. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's a, you got to make that one count, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> I mean, I, I that's why I like the law because it, it was so much smaller. You could carry four of them, attach four of them to the top of a ruck. You know, you got four shots. Yeah. Uh, it was it. it way better man you're doing you know like we'd go up into the mountains doing cave clearing you know yeah you got four four versus one you know it's it's but anyway man i want to i want to get back to to rob o'neill though because <laughs> this this something that's just eating at me looking at this saying uh what does the nra do again nothing all right I've been critical of the NRA uh, because I think Wayne LaPierre is he he's been grifting off of this. Okay, you know, but at the same time, the NRA has done a lot. They've done a lot. And if if we don't have the Second Amendment, 
in the United States, we have no other freedoms. Right. We have no other freedoms. You know, and with the NRA, what, what does the NRA do? Well, I don't know. Provide, they provide training. They provide firearms instructor training. They provide insurance. They provide uh, assurances that, that we have our freedoms. And the Institute for Legislative Action, the, the NRA ILA, uh, which is a, a, a spinoff organization inside of the NRA, but they're, they're specifically tasked with lobbying, they also fund and lobby for First Amendment issues as well. They're not limited to the Second Amendment. So this, I mean, this guy is completely ignorant of the role the NRA plays, the history of the NRA. I mean, it was created, the, the National Rifle Association was created to teach people how to shoot in the Reconstruction era, to make sure that people had the rights to firearms ownership that they knew how to use it, right? That, that, that is what it is for. That, that was what it was created for. <laughs> this demonization of, of the NRA, man, it, it's, I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's bad news. I mean, it's bad news all around. And I mean, it, it's, I, but, but I want to say this, I, I get beat up on this jackass all, all day, but I want to say this. For anybody out there who's listening to these, you know, various podcasts or whatever, different corners of the internet and outlets and stuff, anybody out there that is reading some of the shit that I read on a regular basis where it's like, oh, yeah, but the military's all a bunch of conservatives. <laughs> well, here's your sign right here. Right. Here's your sign right here. Yeah, I wouldn't assume that, especially after the last, you know, two Democrat presidents and how they've treated the military and the, the rules and uh, culture that they've created there. I, I, I'm sure I wouldn't even recognize it anymore. Nah. Yeah, it, it's uh, I mean, I've, I've got a lot of friends that are that are still connected in that world. And it's um they're all saying the same thing. And I mean, they're not, they're not limited to army. They're not limited to, uh, the soft community. It, it's, it's a little bit of everything from everywhere. And, right. um, it, it, nah, it, it's, you know, it, it's going downhill. It's going sideways quick. So, I mean, you know, and, and, and you got to think the the people who are coming in are not coming in, out of patriotism and out of love for country. No, 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 <laughs> no probably not. That's not what they're there for. You know, that's not what they're there for. It's, it's not like when you and I went in and the GWAT was hot and heavy and, and we were doing it because I, we're doing it out of love of nation, right. you know? And, and I, I don't know, we, we still do what we do out of love of nation, but I want to jump into a, a related topic that I know you've got a lot of thoughts on, and it's one that kind of came across my desk. I stayed out of it because I, at the time, uh, because I wanted to do a podcast on it and, and address it specifically because it, it is that important. And it's that important to me, but it was these comments that were made by Tim Kennedy 
and uh, followed up by Dakota Meyer. Now, this is not the this is not the first time that this has happened. All right. This is not the first time that comments like this have been made. And and there is kind of two ways to look at this, but it, it concerned um, civilians military gear the use of military gear and then the word larping was thrown out there and you know if if we take that at face value there's a lot of ways to to look at that but basically the 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 thought was and the 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 uh the spirit of the quote if you will the uh the intent of the quote was basically saying that if if you buy tactical gear if you train in tactical gear, that you're some kind of LARPer, like you're never going to use that. You're never, you're never going to do this. You're never going to do that. You're some, some kind of LARPer. You should just shit, sit down and shut up and, you know, whatever. Oh, oh, and, and definitely come to Tim Kennedy's classes. Cause you know, right. he's another one of right. these vet pro guys. <laughs> right. What, what's your, what's your thoughts on that, man? Uh, first off, if you feel I wrote an article, and I'm not trying to pimp my own stuff here, but I, I'd written an article. You, um, you had a quote. Oh shit! What was that? The way of the warriors in training. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. The way of the warriors in training. You know, if you feel drawn to train, I don't care what it is. If you're out doing uh, jujitsu, going to a concealed carry course, lifting weights, or doing you know CrossFit or whatever you're preferred exercises or you know you want to come to a, my class or somebody else's class if, if you feel that's that's your business and who gives a shit what tim kennedy thinks honestly i mean yeah. i've never been around tim but i um when i was in iraq i had the opportunity to work with sof guys some of them were amazing at what they did and some of them were complete shit bags and we were looking at them going what the fuck is this you know, and so no, I'm serious. And, and no, that's the I know, thing is, I know. I know. It, it's. And I'm not gonna, you know, say any one unit or anything, but um, other than the ODA guys were awesome, I will say that. But uh, it, it just goes down to the fact that who cares what they think? You know, if you feel the need to do it, then then do it. You know, quit quit worrying about what some guy did 20 years ago or what tab he had on his shirt or what other badge or school or whatever, who cares? He's not the opinion on your life. So quit worrying about it, you know? And the fact they're trying to dissuade people away from it, I guess to me is just either they're insecure because they don't want competition from other people doing training and they want to be the only expert in the room or I don't I know. That's part of it. I think it is too, honestly. I, I, think, I think that's part of it. They, there's definitely... There's definitely some pro protectionism going on. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I I can tell you for a fact, I know that some of these dudes out there um, that, you know, I, I ain't going to start naming names. But some of these guys have, have looked at, you know, what I'm doing, what you're doing, what, you know, some other folks in the training community are doing. And they're kind of wondering, like, huh, that's, uh, you know, that, that's – when I was talking uh, with Clay Martin and he brought up something that was very interesting uh, and he's exactly right. He's like, you know, a lot of guys, um, and this is on the last podcast I did with him. He said a lot of guys 
get into the firearms into this that, you know, coming from our backgrounds and, and they teach, you know, a, a basic firearms handling class. And, and they do that because it's easy to do. And, and it is, I mean, it, it's, you know, it, it's, uh, running a fighting carbine course. I absolutely love doing it. And I, you know, I've, I've got one that I teach, but it's, it's, it's not that hard. You know, it, it's, it's not, it's not a hard day on the range for you when you're working with people you teach them whatever and, and a lot of these guys man they they start building a, a cult of personality but then when you yeah. you get into the field craft and and you're teaching something that is substantially harder like hey you know this is how you run an ambush this is how you you know you coordinate fire and maneuver elements this is how you you know you uh conduct a raid you know all, all you see this is how you set up a stalking lane those are actually hard skills to teach people, you know, yeah. and they, they start looking at that and they're like, ah, oh, you know, wait a minute. I mean, I had a group out in Texas that I was teaching and, you know, they, they, these guys have worked with a lot of different trainers out there, worked with a lot of trainers out there. And, you know, after the scout course that we ran, one of them came up to me and he's, he was mentioning some people that I'm not going to mention. Um, but he was just like, you know, we took a lot of classes with these guys and they never wanted to do anything approaching this. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was kind of baffling. And, and he was like, I mean, we even asked them at one point, you know, we, we want to learn something beyond mag changes and ready up drills, <laughs> you know, and, and he was just very blatant about, we're not going to teach that. And, you know, and, and one of the answers that was given was, well, you don't need to know that. Well, yeah, actually you do need to know that you do need to know that for a lot of reasons. I mean, what gets you it, it, like, all right. Nobody walks out their front door with a rifle. Okay. Nobody walks out their front door with a rifle and you don't have, you don't have an AR 15 because that's, that's just a cool guy thing. I mean, if you do, that's cool. Right. But that's there for defense. That's there mm -hmm. for, all right. You know, like, like we, we've got, we've got a serious beef with the government. We're being mistreated. This is, you know, and, and we're approaching that time rapidly. That's why you have that AR-15. That's why you have that AK, that's well, and, and FAO, whatever. Whether it's a, a government or political problem or a social one, you know, like I just kind of said earlier, I've always kind of thought, you know, if you feel deep down that you're supposed to be out training, you know, if something, why do I do what I do? I don't know. I just, it's what I feel drawn to do and I'm happy when I'm doing it. And if you feel that same draw, you're going to feel that same way, you know, with your, your equipment right? Well, you should be seeking parity with whatever threat you're going up against, whatever that might be, you know? And so, yeah, an AR-15 or, or that style of weapon is obviously going to get you there a lot easier than a, a pump-action shotgun or a, a Glock even, you know? You, you, you got to have parity with your threat, at least, if not better. Exactly. And, and so the, the thought that Oh, you'll never need that. And the fact that it's coming from these guys that have quote unquote blood stain on their armor, you know, <laughs> they don't know their own history for one. 
Exactly. And they don't know the history of just the human experience when it comes to warfare, especially small unit tactics, tribal type tactics. You know, it's just complete bullshit. And I don't know if they're being paid to say this stuff or if they just really don't understand the totality of what they do. You know? Why? I mean, fire and movement's fire and movement, whether you're, uh, you know, a modern-day infantry squad or some dude running through the trees in the 1700s trying to avoid getting tomahawked, you know? Like, yeah. It, it's the same thing by every other name, you know? Well, I mean, if if you're teaching somebody how to handle a, a fighting carbine, you know, a, a modern fighting carbine, whether that's a, a AK or an AR or a SCAR, you know, whatever, right, whatever. You owe it to them to teach them the underlying tactics of how to avoid that fight. I mean, yeah. it, it's it's martial arts, man. It, it's mm-hmm. Shooting is a martial art. And if, if you know, you're, you're taught in the martial arts, a, any discipline out there, you are taught to avoid a fight if at all possible. So if, if I'm teaching somebody how to use a fighting carbine, then, you know, that, that's, it's, it, that's a different use of force scenario than utilizing, uh, you know, a, a handgun or Glock or 1911 or, or whatever. Right. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's a totally different thing, man. And so you owe it to them to at least, Teach them a, a little bit of the tactics of, you know, how to avoid an ambush, recognize the signs of an ambush. The only yeah. way that you can do that is to learn how to set them up. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, if they think that that's some kind of high-speed skill that, you know, that they learned when they went through uh, whatever training they went through in the last 20 years, it's like, oh, buddy, that's been around way longer. It's been around longer than our country, for one. And a lot longer than that, even. And so it's these are skills that have been around for centuries that, uh, you know, to think that they're not giving away the secret sauce. Man, you're not that special. OK, right. <laughs> like exactly there, right. There, there is no level three ninja class that you get to charge a thousand dollars for. Sorry, because we're doing it for way cheaper. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean that that's a big part of it too, man. It, it, <clears throat> is there is some protectionism and and there is I think overwhelmingly the firearms industry the firearms training industry is is waking up the the clientele base is waking up to the reality that, you know, the, the firearms are one part of the equation. Mm-hmm. The tactics are another. Right. And being equipped to support that is is critical you know being properly equipped to support that and i don't think me personally and and, you know you and i have had that conversation in the past i don't think personally that that guys have to necessarily emulate you know a a a ta-50 mto of dudes who are on active duty right because mission sets different it's probably not the best thing to do at all Probably not the best option, man. Probably not the best option. But simultaneously, it will piggybacking off of that. <laughs> I want to ask, man, like, you know, our gear changes, our gear loadouts, our personal loadouts evolve over time, man. And so since we're on the topic, 
talk us through your current loadout and, oh, and what you recommend for for <laughs> let's not say like you know movement to contact kind of stuff but day to day man you, because you know you're outdoors you're getting a lot of work done you you're you know you're out and about a lot talk talk me through your your gear loadout mm. so like when i'm at work you mean just kind of regular yeah, yeah, yeah. you know um Depending on where I'm going, it, it kind of depends on how far away from home I am too, you know, because I cover a pretty large area and I live in the middle of nowhere on top of it. So, you know, I've kind of always subscribed to the fact that if I'm further than 10 miles from town, I'm I'm in the middle of nowhere and I'm in the wilderness, you know. And so we've got, like when I'm out traveling for work, I've got a satellite phone. Of course, I have my cell phone, chargers all in the truck. Um, I've got a trauma kit with tourniquets and the whole nine yards um, ready to go. Because, I mean, if a guy slips with his tools at work bad enough or gets hurt by a piece of equipment, you're going to need that. Because there's probably not any calling 911, so you're going to be taking them to the hospital. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's kind of just thinking through, um, you know, if I'm out of town for a while, I have a small bag that I bring with me that um, just has some basics in it. You know, I always plan on having a vehicle, but even if I don't, I've got some navigation tools should I need to use them. But, you know, a lot of it is you don't have to carry so much stuff if you're in your own area. You know, I'm pretty familiar with the region, so I don't really need a lot of navigation gear. I can just handrail a highway and make it home, you know. But I'll have my uh, MC2 compass just because... I'd feel naked without it, I guess, when I'm trying to navigate. And then uh, different belt knives. I like the Mora Garberg. I make. I also make my own belt knife. Um, usually have a ferro rod with, just because that's a great fire starting tool that you can use pretty easily if you practiced with it enough. And then uh, a couple big lighters stashed throughout all my gear. And then good layered good clothing that I can layer into if I have to, depending on the season, of course. But that's right. pretty much, you know, just taking care of those basic, basic needs to take care of your poor body temperature. That's the big one. And then so navigation. Essentially that that's your line one, you know, your, your first yep. line gear, you know, mm-hmm. they, they, some people call EDC everyday carry, right? You know, if if you had to fight in that, right, based mm-hmm. on what you're wearing, because, you know, you, you blend in with everybody in your environment wearing that. If you had to fight in that and you had to, to go the next layer up, what would that look like? Um, Probably my uh, Hill People gear chest pack honestly, because I can fit my Glock and a couple mags in there. That's That usually goes with me. That was kind of the next... That's my... When I'm traveling out of town, that's going with me. And I can fit enough stuff in there. And then if I have to go to a rifle, though, then I'm just going to my chest rig. Because <clears throat> I figure if it's bad enough, I got to go to my rifle. I better, I better have some magazines with me. So... You know, you, you're not you're not going to be throwing on a, a big honking, 
you know, massive chest rig with mm. 12 mags on it, looking like, you know, you're, you're doing a, you're part of the Paul Bremer detail in Baghdad. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> not, not no, keep it simple. Route, man. No, I try to keep it as, as simple as I can. And it's, it, uh, I've been working on some, working on a lot of research right now on actually, uh, as far as load carrying and, and the weight we're carrying, you know, and how to minimize that. And so I'm absolutely in a mind mindset that less is more. Yeah. hundred percent, man. You know, maneuverability is probably going to be your greatest asset. Cause yep. well, and here's something too, that, that I've been bringing up recently in, in a lot of classes is one of the best assets of insurgents in Afghanistan and really in Iraq, more so, I'd say more so Iraq than Afghanistan, was their ability to ditch their gear. Mm-hmm. And now, oh, yeah. hey, I'm just another guy, man. Oh, I, that's, yeah. You know? that's, we could have killed so many more, or captured whatever you want to say. Yeah. So many more people. Yeah. Had they just held on to their damn guns long enough for us to see it. So it's not just a mobility standpoint, but it it, mobility and maneuverability, but it's, it's looking at it from the standpoint of, you know, I might have to stash my stuff to recover at a later date, but me blending in, in my working environment among the people who, you know, I, I'm not running around, you know, with my face painted and all that. I mean, there's a time and a place for that. Right. But that's, that's not necessarily what I'm going to be doing when I'm transitioning between civilians and then, you know, picking up a rifle and doing work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a good question on how to blend that in. Cause even a chest rig at that point is pretty blatant. I mean, you're, I'd be interested to see what kind of like construction equipment you could uh, press into service, to be honest. You know, something that's very non-tactical. And I'm not talking gray, man. (laughs) Go buy a bunch of gray shit. I mean, something that looks like it belongs in the environment. That's what you want. You know, the old lady's purse. (laughs) Stash your bag in there. I don't know. Um, Yeah, man. I mean... camouflage camouflage is a is is not a pattern it's no. not limited to a, a pattern it it is camouflage is a behavior mm-hmm. you know yeah, i'd say like two examples uh, personally that i remember of good camouflage off the top of my head that the insurgents practiced well three i can think of three right now um there was an insurgent mortar team that would stash the mortar equipment in the Euphrates river and they had a uh, rope coming up they'd waterproof it in bags and just chuck it out in the river and then they'd pull it up in the middle of the night or whatever and set up their mortar and try to launch a couple rounds and then you know and that's the thing too they never tried to stay there long enough to get a perfect hit you know it was just enough to lob, lob a couple rounds at the police station or whatever and then chuck yep. it back in the river, you know, and um, <clears throat> it's, it's a lot of cat and mouse. There was an IED team that would use the local hospital's ambulance to go out and set 
their IEDs in the middle of the night. Um, let's see. What's the other one I was just going to say? Oh, the the vehicle-based sniper vehicles, you know, yeah. during the daytime that would basically stalk our patrols, our foot patrols. Well, you know. And, and I know for you, you, you've written about this a lot in the past. We talked about it, you know, the last time I was out in Wyoming teaching a scout course, you know, that's really where the AR-15 shines. Oh, yeah. It's being able to fill all of those roles, yep. you know, and, and the fact that the AR-15 was designed originally to be a takedown rifle or air crew, uh, air, aircraft survival kits, air crew survival kits, um, you know, the AR-10 predating the AR-15, that's, I mean, you, you can stash that thing pretty much anywhere and and mm-hmm. you can have a heck of a lot of capability in a lightweight package i know um you're still running that primary arms platinum uh one yep. eight right yep yep and yep. Dude, it's been so, great i can't highly i can't recommend them enough and i'm not a you know there's no strings attached i nobody gave it to me i paid for it myself and i recommend that thing to everyone i've shot yeah, man I mean, I've shot out to, uh, I've shot to 650. Now it's not a one shot, one kill kind of deal with a 5.56 at 650. But probably 50%, you know, and that's taken into consideration some wind and other things too. So, but. You're still having a bad day though. Yeah, 450, that thing's, you know, because the beautiful part about that scope is the built-in windage holds. And I've got the old style reticle the newer one has another five mile an hour wind holds that obviously would come in handy definitely man and and i mean on that note again revisiting conversations that we've had on on the podcasts in the past it seems like at least in in the army on the soft side of things on you know the the uh ranger battalion and uh some of the sf units that are getting fielded the m5 um in 277 fury you know this this new sig mcx variant um it it seems like to me that that idea is being revisited the the Mm -hmm. idea of of uh the recognition of the 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 advantage of having a longer extended engagement range versus, you know, this, this kind of high speed fire and maneuver at, at, at close quarter battle distances. What do you think about that? I, I think it's the right move to go for a better, uh, a caliber with better ballistics than the five, five, six. I don't know that this is the one (laughs) I, I think there's a lot of weird things going on, but that's a whole other discussion, but I think it was smart to go with something with a little better ballistics than the five, five, six. Now, um, seems like that new optic, I was just, uh, reading up on that thing and, you know, it's supposed to be this, this built in laser range finder, just have all this capability. And I'm going, I just don't see it guys. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe they'll build it so tough that the grunts can't break it, but yeah, it's it, it's a good idea to be able to to take back that that rifleman's kilometer, 
you know, I've always thought that, that a person should, and that's, that's not just in a military context. That's, that's all of us, you know, right. You should be able to, uh, <laughs> ensure peace, so to speak out to 500 yards if you had to, right. You know, that's, that's, there's nothing wrong with that. And then I know the Tim Kennedys or whoever of the world would want you to feel, feel odd or strange. Oh, I must be a LARPer. You, you but, don't need to know how to do that. Right. It's like Correct. bullshit. The people that settled this country all needed to know how to do it, whether it was to feed for them, feed themselves or defend themselves, you know? Right. And it's, <laughs> I mean, look at what happened to the native Americans. Had they had that capability, things would be a lot different for them. You know? Uh, yeah. And yeah, so, hundred percent. You know, I, I just I don't buy this attitude of well, you don't need to know that because I don't I don't buy into the concept of outsourcing my own security either. You know, I don't need somebody with, that's making fifty thousand dollars a year to protect me, so that when the shit when the chips are down, they decide ah, the money ain't worth it no more. That's fine. I'll just take care of myself. You do you. I'll do me. Uh, they, they they always say, you know, oh, well, you know, I want to go home at the end of the day. I mean, look look at Uvalde, you know, yeah. just just look at the aftermath of that shooting. You know, tragically, that that once more has has kind of reignited this whole, you know, nonsense circus clown show of we're going to, you know, repeal all your rights. And all it's not going to bring nobody back. Right. And I'm going to tell you something. It ain't going to prevent any future shootings either. No, or, or stabbings or bombings or, you know, vehicle-based attacks. It, there's a sickness in this world, and sadly, some people just are, I don't know, too far gone. And that's is how they choose to express it, you know? I think so, too. We, I, I, I can't, I can't, we can't control that, sadly. And we just have to be able to defend against it if need be. Right. I mean, that, that's the whole principle of us being armed, you know. Yep. And, and I mean, one more time, man, the, the the whole cult of personality thing is is stuff that I know you've talked about. I've talked about a lot of you got to be real leery of these dudes that are constantly selling you on themselves. Let mm-hmm. the content be the guide. All right. Let the content be the guide. But but don't be surprised when these guys they they expose themselves just because somebody has got a, a you know a certain background or whatever that doesn't mean they align with your political views. And and that's right. something that we've been taking for granted for a long time, man. Uh, so just coming up, uh, five minutes left on the clock, man. What a, what a fast hour. Uh, yeah, man. <laughs> it always is, yeah. too. But what have you got going on on this the calendar? How can the listeners find you, brother? Um, so I'm over on my blog at badlandsfieldcraft.wordpress.com. Um, so coming up in July, I've got a two-day class called the Rifleman's Skills Class. And it's more of that knowledge that you don't need to know. So if you want to learn it anyways, come on out. Because <laughs> we're going to be, it's more than just a marksmanship class. It's rifleman skills. And I, I wanted to dig deep into what it takes to live with a rifle in the field and how to take care of it and how to shoot it in field conditions and so on. So um, there's that. And then 
I, I think it will be. It'll be fun. Um, they're all fun, though. And then in September, I've got a, another field craft course. And then two weeks after that, I'm running another bush tactics course. Nice. Yeah. So nice. those have been turning out pretty good there. That bush tactics one, we did the first one a couple weeks ago, and that was that was a hell of a lot of fun. And I think everybody learned a lot. I heard a lot of good things, man. Oh, heard good. a lot of good, good things. The guys, a couple of guys that were there, um, they absolutely love it. I'm telling you, folks, yeah, you're you're getting world class instruction. I mean, that lands, man. I'm I'm not blowing smoke up your kilt, but you you are you have a presence with with students. You have a presence with people and a natural teaching ability that is, um, I think, is is a rare thing to find in in the larger community out there hmm. well, well I'm, I'm glad to hear that i yeah, you man. know i certainly try to do the best i can and you know we had uh those two blizzards that showed up in april for both those classes and i mean the guys they got to i was joking with them i mean they got their money's worth you know we parked as close as we could they put their rucks on and i think there was a couple that looked like they might have been going a little uh hypothermic i'm not gonna lie i was getting it's like hmm rough <laughs> cold you look a little rough pale. man that's right the last scout course that i had I, I had some guys that that were going they they were getting into hypothermia land um you know and, and this was just one month ago uh i was up in the cascades and mm. you know got a got a huge class a lot of awesome dudes first day was was pretty we knew that we were going to get a little bit of rain coming in, but we did not know that it was going to get as bad as it did. It, totally unprepared for it um, because it, the weather just changed on us on a dime, man. It, it, oh, yeah. it was supposed to be, you know, 75, nice. And all of a sudden, you know, we're getting dumped on plus ice. Oof. <laughs> and, yep. Ah, uh, it, it was – Dude, it, I mean, there was there was a couple guys we were doing the ambush lanes and and uh, you know they started having those thousand yard stairs and, yep. and started to get a little unresponsive when it came to <laughs> uh, you know I was, was kind of asking them questions and talking to them a little bit to see where they were and they're just kind of giving me those blank stares. I'm like, uh, all right, guys, let's let's go back to the vehicles and see if you can you can dry off and warm up a little bit. Yeah, because uh, you you're in bad shape. Yep, yep. It's but you know it's good uh, it's good training when it's done, not for the sole sake of suffering. You know, when right. It's, when it's done in conjunction with a higher goal, then it's good training. I've I've definitely froze my ass off in the middle of Fort Lewis more than a few times, where that was the purpose was to just sit out there and freeze. And it's like, okay, I get it. It sucks. What do you want me to do about it? You know, so exactly. I mean, it. You know, those, those times like that teach us a lot about us. You know, it it, it, it makes does. you hard. Yep. And, yeah, and that's, you know, and I think if a guy's drawn to challenge himself in those ways, I mean, you don't always know what you're going to get into. And I intentionally don't. I mean, I give some information out to prepare people, but I don't tell them everything. And uh-huh. You know, that's that's part of the challenge, too, is in this day and age, we're used to being able to Google everything and fire up Google Maps and it'll tell us how to get right to the spot. And it's like, nope. nah, 
nah, you're going out in the field. I don't know what you're going to get. That's for damn sure. And <laughs> <laughs> you don't I know don't either. Know so gonna get. Yeah, people, yeah. people email me. They're like, well, what am I going to do about food? Mm. I don't know. It's on you. <laughs> That's I'm right. You. Yep. It's all part of the challenge, and everybody comes away better for it at the end, though. That's the cool part. Exactly. Exactly, man. Well, brother, it it what an hour. What what? Uh, yeah, man. Thanks for having fast me on again. Fine block. Uh, but one thing I want to point out, I just want to reiterate. Anybody that's telling you out there, all the listeners, anybody that's telling you out there that that anybody has a, a a reason to infringe on your fundamental human rights, whether that's free speech, whether that's privacy, whether that's being armed and anything in between, anybody that is telling you that, I don't give a damn what their background is or who the hell they claim they are, they ain't got no right to tell you that they can infringe on your fundamental rights as a human being. That's right. None. And they can go to hell. That's what makes us American. That's what makes us who we are. Anyhow, brother, God bless. God bless all of you out there. And I'll be talking to you all again very, very soon. This is NC Scout. Out.